0: Please stand for the reading of God's word as we read from Ruth chapter two. We read from verse one to verse 17. Now when Naomi had a relative of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz, and Ruth the Moabites said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, following one in whose eyes I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And so she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves." And so she came and has remained from The morning until now, and she has been sitting in the house for a little while. And then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but join my young woman here. Keep your eyes on the field which they reap, and go after them. Indeed, I have ordered the servants not to touch you. And when you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw." then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law, after the death of your husband, has been fully reported to me. Now you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work. And may your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge." Then she said, "I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not like one of your female servants." And at mealtime, Jo Boaz said to her, "Come here, that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar." And so she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. And when she got up to glean, Boaz commanded his servants, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not insult her. Also you are to purposely slip out for her some grain from the bundles and leave it so that she may glean and do not rebuke her. And so she gleaned in the field until, until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And Father, we thank you for this portion of your word that we just read, and for the truths that we will glean from your inspired word. And I pray, O oh Lord, that our hearts would receive that which you have in store for us, that our minds would be enlightened, and that we would come reverently before you to once again be spoken to and to obey that which you give us today. Thank you for everyone that is here. For those who are away, we pray that you would watch over them and grant them traveling mercies. In this we ask in the precious name of our Lord. Amen. Please take your seats. So in this chapter, we are introduced to scene two of the book of Ruth. Orpah, one of Naomi's daughter-in-laws that we saw last week, is no longer in the picture. She's in Moab. Three main characters appear in the book of Ruth from this moment on and remained as our focus for the remainder of the book. First, there's Naomi. Naomi represents the backslidden um, child of God that finds her place back in Bethlehem, back in the house of bread, back in Judah. She has overcome her inhibitions, her fears, her fear of being judged, of being criticized, and she goes back to the land of Israel. Naomi is an inspiration to all of us, who at one point or another have walked away from the Lord, turned our back to the Lord, being drawn to the world, and then realized that the world has nothing to offer us, And then when we go back to him, we realize that he welcomes us with open arms. The second character that we see in this book, and he appears in this chapter, is Boaz. He is a picture of Jesus Christ. I'll be saying more about this later on. The third main character of this book, of course, is this Gentile woman, a Moabite, who is a young lady from a pagan country called Moab, Ruth, has been sovereignly called by God to leave her land, leave her family, and join herself to God's people. She is a picture of a new believer in Christ who places her faith in the true God. So in the passage we just finished here, we see Ruth who by divine providence ends up in the field that belongs to Boaz. It's harvest time. Right? This is a season when the grain is being harvested, and many Israelites are out in their fields, and here's Boaz, who has these reapers and servants working for him, and Ruth happens to be in that number. And we're going to see today the situation first, the dire situation that both Naomi and Ruth find themselves in. For it says in verse two, and Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, "Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, following one of in whose eyes I may find favor." Now, why is she saying this? Most likely, Naomi is reluctant to have Ruth, her daughter-in-law, go out. She is a Moabite. She is young. She's a foreigner. People don't know her. She may be disturbed. And um, and maybe some men will hit hit on her. And so she's thinking about all this. She goes, look, I, I just don't feel comfortable. I'm not strong enough to do it myself. But I don't want her to go out. And so you see, Ruth takes the initiative. Therefore, we see her boldness. Naomi Uh, is surprised by this because she should have been the one saying, Ruth, why don't you go out and start gleaning? But no, it's Ruth that takes that bold step. She proposes this act in accordance to what God's Word had already provided. Ruth is bold because she knows that her God, her new God, the God of Israel, is not like the fake God's. The gods that she had left behind in Moab. These gods are described in Psalm 115 verses 4 to 8. We are told their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat, and those who make them will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. That's the God or gods that she used to worship when she was back in her land of Moab. But now she had placed her trust in the true God, the God who has no eyes but sees, the God who has no hands but sees, Touches and feels and is outstretched. The God who has no feet but moves everywhere and is everywhere. The God who has no ears but hears everything. That's our God. And she knew that this God was going to take care of her. Therefore, she trusted in him. She knew that God would take care of her. She didn't know where to go. She was a foreigner. All the odds were against her because of her nationality, because of her past, because of her sex. She was a woman. But she was willing to take a chance and ventured out in faith, knowing that she was in God's hands. See, trusting God does not mean that we just wait around. It means we act on a portion of God's word that has been revealed to us, that has spoken to us, and we move out in faith. Ruth knew that God had made provisions for widows in his word, and she acted based on her knowledge of the revealed word of God. Thirdly, we see her willingness. Her statement, please. She pleaded with Naomi because Naomi was reluctant. Please let me go. Let me do what I can do and God will take care of us. There she shows a willingness to step out in faith. Ruth went to a field that she did not know and began to glean. She was allowed to do this because of the command that God had given to the Israelites regarding Widows and foreigners, found in Leviticus chapter 19. Now when you reap, God tells those who own lands, these words. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of the field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. This was... A commandment, and Ruth knew this command because Naomi had shared God's word with her, and she knew that she could trust in the Lord. Now, keep in mind, Ruth would be most likely viewed by the Israelites negatively. Already, Moab was not a friendly country to Israel. And secondly, not everyone feared the Lord in Israel. Ruth is a widow, and in the mind of the average Israelite, she is less than nothing, a person to be despised, to be rejected. She's just a pagan looking for some food. And this meant that she would have to enter into a field sheepishly, reluctantly, maybe even fearfully with apprehension. She would know what she could do. I'm not sure how many of you have ever walked into a field and, you know, you're alone and you're walking into this field and you feel an apprehension. You feel something could happen to you. Imagine alone, a woman, a young woman, walking into the field, but her trust was in the Lord. She knew that God was in control. And as God's word promises in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a man are established, or as the King James Version says, are ordered, are set by the Lord. He delights in his way. So when God delights in a child of his, he establishes, He orders, he sets his steps. And because God delighted in this Moabite woman, he was directing her to the field where God was preparing something for Ruth. See, she was just looking for a little bit, but God was orchestrating far more. Do we believe in this? That's why Paul says in Ephesians, to the God who does far more than we can imagine or think, Because he's always at work in us, according to the power that is at work in our lives. So that's the situation that she was in, and that's the situation Naomi was in. And now, let's look at the serendipity. That word simply means finding something beyond what you expect. Finding something that you never would have imagined. Verse 3 says, so she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened, serendipity, she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now Ruth was looking for some food, enough to feed herself and her mother-in-law, enough for the day, but God had greater plans for her Ruth wanted only a little. God was going to usher in an abundance. Ruth wanted a meal. God was going to bring in something far greater. She was looking for food. God was going to give her a family. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. Now, Ruth doesn't know Boaz, and Boaz doesn't know Ruth at this point. Two total strangers. And Ruth's search for something that just enough to eat. Reminds me of another woman in the Scriptures. Her, we don't have her name. She's a Samaritan woman. Her story is found in John 4. She is a woman that was married five times, was living with a sixth man, not married at this point, and she goes at noon to the well of Sichar in Samaria. Noon because she didn't want to be with anyone else. She probably was ashamed of her past, ashamed of her lifestyle. And there she's going to meet the seventh man. She's going to meet Jesus Christ. She was going there for a bit of water, and she was going to find the fountain of living water. She was going there to quench her thirst, and she was going to have rivers of water flowing from her innermost being. What do we call this? Serendipity. That's what Ruth is going to discover. First, She was going to discover that this man, Boaz, was a related man. It says that he was a relative of Elimelech, her dead father-in-law. Little did she know that Boaz was going to end up in her life. Later, Boaz is going to perform the function of kinsman-redeemer. Please remember these two words. Kinsman, which means a relative, redeemer. And to, the, to this widow and to Naomi, according to the law of God, as outlined in Numbers 27. So I encourage you to read that throughout this week. Numbers 27 gives the, the law of kinsman redeemer. Boaz here is a type of Jesus Christ, our redeemer, who also became our relative. He became flesh so that he could redeem us because we were spiritually bankrupt, with nothing to, to uh, look forward to. We had nothing but judgment awaiting us. But Jesus becomes our kinsman redeemer, our relative by becoming flesh, and gives us access to his glorious inheritance. He was a related man. Secondly, Boaz was a rich man. Uh, later on in the text, we discover that Boaz was very, very Wealthy. This means that Boaz possessed all the necessary resources to redeem, to carry out the task of redemption for both Ruth and Naomi. And Jesus Christ, as our kinsman, as our relative redeemer, also has all the necessary resources to redeem us. Paul, writing about him, says he was rich and yet he became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. Jesus possesses everlasting love for the fallen sinner. He possesses infinite grace sufficient to save our souls. He completed God's plan for our redemption in its entirety. And now God is satisfied because Jesus saves us to the uttermost. He has done more than we could ever dream of because, indeed, Jesus is all wealthy. And thirdly, he was a respected man. We're told that Boaz was a mighty man or a man of clout, a man of repute, a man very well respected. And Boaz, obviously, is a clear picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his actions in the field that day show us how the Lord moves towards us who are in need just like Ruth. We are the object of his providential care. So we've seen the situation and we see serendipity. Now let's look at the surprise in all of this. Verses 8 to 10. And then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go... On from this one. But join my young woman here. Keep your eyes on the field which they reap, and go after them. Indeed, I have ordered the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. And then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me? since I'm a foreigner. So notice that Boaz notices Ruth and sees this woman that's different in the field. Boaz misses nothing. Ruth caught his eye. Maybe it was her beauty. We don't know because it doesn't say anything along these lines. Maybe it was the fact that she was dressed differently because she wasn't a Hebrew and did not dress as a Hebrew. So she had to get her clothing. Maybe she was still wearing Moabite clothes. We don't know. Maybe it was the way she prepared her hair. We have no clue. But she notices this foreigner. And he is told by one of the servants, the main servant, the one who was in charge of the reapers, that she is Ruth from Moab. Is there anything that escapes the Lord's attention? Nothing. God's word says that if he takes care of the birds of the air and when one falls to the ground, he's there Paying attention to the bird that falls. How much more does he not take care of us? Now, some people think just because he takes care of us, there should be nothing that should go amiss. There should be no problems in the life of the Christian. Everything should be hunky-dory. Some Christians go as far as saying, whatever you want, you can name it and you can claim it. You can make it your own. You want a car, you can name the car, claim it. You want a house, you can name it and claim it. You want a man? On a woman, name it, claim it. Name and claim. We call that the part of the name and claim, which is part of the prosperity gospel. But that is nowhere to be found in Scripture. Nowhere. That is twisting Scripture. I call that pretzel doctrine. It's taking God's Word out of context and making it to suit the desires of our flesh. What God's Word says instead is that when he brings us through the waters, they will not drown us. When he brings us through the fire, they will not burn us. God's people go through waters, go through fires. He will protect. He will not allow the dangers from the outside to bring you down and drown you. He will not allow whatever fears you may have within to suffocate you. He is your father. He is your benefactor. He is your guardian. He loves his children. Your name is etched in the palm of his hand. And this is what we see. Boaz notices Ruth. Secondly, we see that Boaz counsels Ruth. He tells her, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go and glean in another field. His words were meant to encourage her, to tell her to stay there. There's abundance here. Don't go anywhere else. Ruth doesn't know it, but Boaz has plans to take care of her. Not because he is attracted to her, but because he knows what, he's, what she's done. Turning her back to her people, turning her back to her gods, and joining and people who she knows nothing of. And, what she, and her devotion also to her mother-in-law. He cares for Ruth because of the attention Ruth has shown Naomi. Boaz looks after Ruth. Indeed, I've ordered the servants not to touch you. And as I said earlier, not everyone feared the Lord, and some men would have gone after uh, Ruth and would have flirted with her. And so Boaz commands the men to leave her alone, that she could drink from the water jugs that are there for the servants. So basically, he takes care of every detail of her life, just like our Lord. Our Lord takes care of every detail of our life. We don't need to be apprehensive. We don't need to be afraid. Our heavenly Boaz takes care of us. And so Ruth is beginning to realize that she just walked into a field of grace. What a surprise. So we've seen the situation, the serendipity. We've seen the surprise. Now let's look at the satisfaction. For it says in verse 14, At mealtime, Boaz sat down with the servants. So you can see his humility. He doesn't say, well, these are servants. I'm not going to sit here. I'm going to sit on my own, have my own vintage wine, have my favorite meal, all be on my own, and let the servants feed themselves. No, he sits with them. But he does more than that. He tells Ruth, come here, because foreigners will not sit with those who belonged to the owner of the field that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. And so she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain. She ate. She was satisfied and had some left over. Typically, like I said, a foreigner would not sit with the harvesters. They were foreigners. And so we don't, people did not know at what point they were with the God of Israel. All right, So you would not want to associate with someone who was an idol worshiper or just was passing through. But notice that Boaz sits with the servants and with Ruth herself. He invites her to join. Why did Boaz feel free to do this? Because he had heard what Ruth had said in chapter 1, verse 16. These were her words to her mother-in-law. Where you go, I will go. And where you sleep, I will sleep. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There, I will be buried. And Boaz had heard that Ruth had said this to Naomi. And so she goes, this is a remarkable woman. And I don't want her to feel as a stranger. And I believe this is what we should be doing every time when someone walks through these doors. We should make sure that no one feels left out. Not everyone will appreciate our kindness. Not everyone will appreciate the fact that we go out of our way. But that is the way we are to behave as believers. We are to receive each other without any judgment and without any criticism. And the Lord instructs God's people, his church, to do this, receive each other without judgment. Because judgment can be wrong when it's done from appearances. And when we do this, we're pleasing the Lord. And so, boys, witnessing Ruth's, love for God and for the people of Israel, the people she did not know, went ahead and had her join the other reapers that were sitting and eating with him. At times, uh, the Lord, as our heavenly Boaz, is not eating with his people. He's not dining with them. Why is that? Because God, at times, does not love the Lord as he should be loved. In the book of Revelations, chapter 3, we read of a church that actually was in that situation. And the Lord, speaking to this church, says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. I will dine with him and he with me. Notice that. The Lord is asking his church to open the door. Someone open the door so I can at least dine with that individual. So I can have fellowship with him. What had happened to this church? This church had fallen in love with the world. It had become worldly in its outlook. Worldly in its desires. And the Lord instead desired the church to fellowship with him. And here we see that Boaz shows that desire by inviting Ruth to sit with him. Boaz is not ashamed of Ruth. That's remarkable. Our Lord is not ashamed of us he should be ashamed he should reject us he should push us out we're not the premier people that we ought to be but he's not ashamed of us because he's become our kinsman redeemer and he invites us to sit with him not only to sit with him but to also as it says here dip bread into the vinegar and you remember that Jesus did that with Judas it was a term of endearment it was to say we're friends I care about you. You're precious to me. That's what Jesus communicated to Judas. And Judas took that love and stepped all over it. That's what Boaz did with Ruth. He treated her as a sister. He treated her as though she was part of the family, part of Israel. And Boaz blesses Ruth. Not only receives her, not only dines with her, but blesses her. When Ruth leaves The field, at the end of the day, to go back home to Naomi, she's amazed. She had more than what she had, much more. She was so amazed because Boaz had commanded his men to drop handfuls of grain on purpose because he wanted Ruth to get so much more from his field and she would never have to consider going anywhere else. At the end of the day, Ruth left carrying three-fifths of a bushel Think about it. I'm not sure many of you know what a bushel is. Those of you who do tomatoes should know. Three fifths of a bushel of grain—that's a lot of grain, enough to feed them for an entire week and more. There's abundance in her life at this point. Now I'm sure Naomi, when she sees all of that, she is proud of Ruth. Why? Because Ruth was doing the opposite of what Naomi did. Naomi said, "I'm going to Moab." There's more in Moab. Ruth, not knowing what there is in Israel, says, I'm leaving Moab, and I'm going to be with God's people. I am going for less if I have to. I am going to leave these gods, leave these people who are idolaters, leave my family, and be with God's people, even if I have to suffer. You see, Naomi looks at Ruth and says, she did differently than I did. She was content." to be with God's people. And she was in dreaming, silly dreams, to have more and to be more popular and to have a better life. Paul, writing to Timothy, warns about the dangers of wanting more when he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment, a godly life, Accompanied by contentment is great gain. Twelve, For we have brought nothing into the world, and so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The Christian who has a wandering eye, the Christian who lacks contentment, begins to hurt himself, hurt herself, pierces themselves with many griefs. A Christian is called to be content and let the Lord establish his steps. Naomi had done that. She had pierced herself with many griefs and had harmed herself in the process, impoverishing herself. But Ruth had done the opposite. Ruth had not followed her example. She didn't condemn her. She didn't judge her. She respected her, but instead chose another path. And we see contentment in the life of Ruth, which is of great gain. And so Christians today have to make this choice of embracing contentment with godliness. And by doing so, they will be... uh, in the God's will, at the center of God's will, and have all the provisions that God has for them. Oh, to trust the Lord, for he is truly our Yahweh Jireh. In other words, the one who sees and provides, the one who takes care of us, to believe that he will take care of us regardless of how bleak our situation may be. When we worry, we lack faith. What we see in Ruth is the absence of worry. She moves in faith, in boldness, in trust. And she found rest for her soul. She found food to satisfy her. She found acceptance beyond what she ever could have imagined. And more importantly, she discovered Boaz. That's what it means to be loved by God. That's what it means. It's to find this and more. It's serendipity with Jesus Christ. It's never anything else. So if you have not discovered him yet, I pray that you will discover him today. That you will take the time to reflect on the story of Ruth and say, Lord, here I am like Ruth, and I'm being drawn to you, and I want to know more about you. And if you instead are one of his, may you rest in him, may you be content with him, may you discover his goodness his acceptance, his love for you. And may you rejoice in these, just like Ruth rejoiced in the providence that came her way. Ruth found out that when we are in his presence, we have nothing to fear because he meets all our needs. We are full and we are provided for when we are with the Lord. Heavenly Father, we turn to you Some of us are like Naomi before she repents, before she changes her mind, before returning to Israel. Too many of us, Lord, are tempted with the world's message of more, the world's message of there's something waiting for you, there's something more outside. And we fall for that at times like Naomi. And we ask for deliverance from that lie we ask that we would be, indeed be content with you, that we would find ourselves in this place of trust like Ruth, that we would be bold like her when it comes to your word, and that we would not be afraid and worry. We realize, O oh Lord, from your word, that worry steals away our joy. It puts us at a disadvantage. We begin to plot, plot And scheme our way out of problems only to find ourselves in a hole deeper and deeper still. But when we trust in you, you take us out of our pit. You place us on a sure foundation. You cause us to have our eyes set on you. So I pray that we could be like Ruth and trust in your divine providence. Thank you for serendipity. Thank you for providing much more than we could ever hope for. Thank you for surprising us. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for loving us. And more importantly, thank you for revealing yourself to us as our heavenly Boaz. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you. And just as we're about to break bread, I pray that each one of us would just take a moment to express praise. Because you indeed are Worthy of our praise and gratitude. Draw those who are still lost in their sins. Be glorified, we pray. And this we ask in the wonderful and glorious name of our Lord. Amen.